you are very welcome to a new series on what I consider a fascinating topic, and that is the topic of holiness. Just what is holiness? Well, I think we we seem to know the answer to that question until we actually ask the question. Also, how do I become holy? Perhaps we would even kind of laugh at the idea that I could really become holy, a saint, a canonizable saint. But really, when we delve into this topic, we see that it shouldn't appear to be something laughable. Rather, it should be the greatest ambition of each one of us. So in this very first session, we're going to look at holiness, holiness in the Bible, holiness in theology, and a little bit of holiness in the history of the church. So here goes. Firstly, in the Bible and sacred scripture, well, we see a clearly a development of the idea of holiness from the Old Testament going through to the New Testament where it is perfected. And there's one very, very clear idea in the Old Testament about holiness. And that is very simply that holiness is presented as a characteristic of God alone. Nothing created as holiness in and of itself. It is something that be- belongs to God. God alone is holy. And this holiness is kind of synonymous with God's transcendence. Transcendence being that he is above, above this earth, not part of it, not mixed up with it. He's radically separate from his creation. Not distant, not uh, aloof, but radically something other than this creation. And that is brought out in the Hebrew word for holiness, which is karosh. And the root of that word is the root meaning separate. So holiness is a separateness from from this world. So, for example, in the book of Samuel, it says, there is none holy like the Lord. I think we could compare this to the sun. There's nothing that gives out light except the sun, for example, in our solar system. And if anything gives out light in this world, it's giving it out ultimately because it's reflecting the light that comes from the sunlight. And likewise with holiness. It's a comparison. So we see with God, he doesn't just share his existence uh, by giving us a participation in his existence as he does at the beginning of creation, but rather he gives a way of sharing in his very holiness. So he communicates a bit like the sun, communicating its light to, to the world. Likewise, God communicates his holiness to, first of all, in the Old Testament, things related to him. The thing that's most striking is the temple, the Sabbath, priests, but especially the people of Israel who are chosen by God to be holy people, a people set apart. You see that holiness and being apart. Now we come to the New Testament, of course, and then we see Christ himself is called holy. Even just before the moment of his incarnation, he is called holy. And he gives his holiness to individuals, but not individually as it were, but As members of the church, he communicates this holiness to his own body, which is the church, and to all the individuals that make up part of that church. So there's a little very quick potted history of holiness in in, in sacred scripture. In theology then, well, in fact, something that Christ himself says is very useful. Remember the line where our Lord says, by their fruits you will know them. By the fruits for an apple, you know the apple tree and you know the nature, you know it's good or bad. And the same applies to holiness. There's the fruit and there is the thing, the reality producing that fruit. And it's very important because 
the truth is when it comes to holiness we tend to think of holiness only in terms of the fruit not in terms of the thing or the tree or the the reality that gives rise to that fruit so the fruit is is essentially moral actions goodness you see a person being good and there's something there underlying that we see well we say they're holy actions moral actions but we kind of miss so we don't pay enough attention to where that comes from the tree itself and that's the more important part that's what gives rise to the fruit that's why the fruit is is good in this case and the very first one the tree is sometimes called ontological holiness ontological meaning in its very being so the very being in a person, their ontology is holy when they have been made holy by God. When they've been made, remember St. Paul uses the phrase a new creation. He likes that. A new creation, something completely novel, something that was not there before. It's a new creation, also known as divine filiation. Or for the Greeks, especially the early Greeks, they talk about a person being deified or divinized, something radically new. And from that, the external manifestation, the fruits that come from the tree, are the acts of holiness. Okay, that's a little little summary of the theology. Finally, just a very quick overview of holiness. It's on our understanding of the church because that also kind of evolves over time and evolves according to certain paradigms. In other words, what we think of as quintessential holiness. And in the early years, the first three centuries of the church's existence, the quintessence of the very paradigm of holiness was martyrdom because it was so, so much that was the ultimate expression of holiness. The person, man, woman, even young person, child, who would die for their faith, die for Christ. And that was the quintessence of holiness. After the, after the um, persecutions ended at the beginning of the fourth century, that essence changed to something else. And more the athlete, the person who's struggling. And it's in a very special way, the desert fathers, those who went off into the desert and became hermits. And they were seen as the quintessence or the essence of holiness or the paradigm of holiness. In the Middle Ages, this, this gave rise to new, different paradigms virginity, asceticism, lay people also being holy, also mystics, and they kind of predominate in a way. Think of the great mystics of the Middle Ages, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Julian of Norwich, St. John of the Cross. Also, this comes a little, I suppose a little downside of this is the association of holiness with extraordinary mystical phenomena. Whereas holiness for the lay person has only kind of started getting back in in the in the last the nineteenth and the twentieth century, people realizing no, it doesn't require always extraordinary mystical phenomena because lay people also are called to holiness. That of course we will deal with in another session. That's our the plan of our session. Really, we're going to look at how this happens in practice. Or another way of putting this is how can you, how can I become a saint? I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.